the series and topic has been churning in my life for months and months and months, and I had been struggling with finding the words to kind of put to it, to kind of describe to you what God had placed on my heart. And as I had been studying, one of my mentors really helped me to put some words behind this. We're going to share it with you today. You know, if you if someone is on the outside of church looking in, and if they were to describe what the people were like inside of a church, many of those people outside of a church would use words like this. They would use words like judgmental. They would use words like self-righteous, arrogant, rude. That's how they describe people inside of a church. But yet, if those very same people outside of a church were to describe Jesus, they would use different words to describe Jesus. They would use kind and loving and filled with grace and mercy and peace. So my question is this. Why is it that someone outside of a church would describe Jesus with such tender words, but yet that same person would describe people inside of a church with very harsh words? And I think part of the answer is that people inside of church today, overall, largely in America, they have become very judgmental, self-righteous, arrogant, and rude. If you were to look at how Jesus, when he walked this earth, described a group of people called the Pharisees who were professional religious people, professional law keepers. That's what the Pharisees were. If you were to hear Jesus in the New Testament describe those people, he would use some of the same words that people outside of the church use to describe people inside of the church. Jesus would use words like they were arrogant, they were self-righteous, they were rude, they were judgmental. Which makes me ask this question. Why is it Why is it that we are more like, inside the church, we are more like the Pharisees that were the enemies of Jesus than we are like Jesus? That's quite, quite a problem. That's quite, quite a mystery. And I think part of the answer, not the complete, but part of the answer is that we have become very judgmental, largely, the church at large. They have become like the Pharisees because like the Pharisees, they have adopted this religion or gospel of mud management, which says this. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross, but I'll take it from here, and I'll go clean my life up. I'll go make my life good, and we try to clean all the mud up off of our lives. We try to do all the work. We say, thanks for saving us. I'll take it from here. We try to clean it up, and then those very same people then try to to stay away from all messy lives around them, not realizing that we ourselves are still a mess. And sometimes, sometimes we have this gospel of mud management that says this. It says that, you know what, you can't come to Jesus until you understand exactly, precisely how muddy and messy your life is. So some people try take it upon themselves to point out all the mess in somebody's life so that they can make it to Jesus. But the, the reality is it just doesn't work that way. No one is judged towards Jesus. No one is, is 
is pushed towards Jesus with judgment, with arrogance, with self-righteousness, and with rudeness. That's not how Jesus did it. But somehow that's how the church today thinks that it can happen. A big part of this, the enemies of Jesus, these Pharisees, did not have any love or grace in their life because they were too busy judging the people around them. It just shouldn't be that way in the church. So this morning we're going to look, as we near the end of this series, we're going to look at some instructions that Jesus left, some instructions that he gave us and said, I want you the church, my followers, to focus on this. Now, you're in a great position today. If you are not yet a follower of Jesus, then the pressure is off. What you get to do is simply listen to what we're talking about today, and you get an inside, behind-the-curtain peek of what we are all about as a church at Stuttgart Harvest Church. So the pressure is off of you, but I I can't say the same. If you're a believer today, the pressure is getting ready to mount upon you and me. So let's take a look and let's see what Jesus had to say, some of his last words before he left this earth. Matthew chapter 28, we're going to start with verse 18. Jesus came and he told his disciples this. He said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus says, I've got the authority, and because I have the authority, I'm going to now give you a mission, give you an assignment. All of those who are following me, he says, here's your assignment, verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. That's everywhere. Go and make disciples, then baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Baptizing is a really super cool thing. In fact, today... At 12.30, while the family of Miss Carolyn is going to be having a lunch here, I am going across town, and we're actually going to have a baptism time. And if you have not yet been baptized, it's, it's a great day to be baptized. In fact, catch me right as we're done today. I'll give you the information. But Jesus said, I want you to go make disciples, then I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. He said, that's it. These are your these are your, your assignments. This is your task I want you to focus on for the rest of your lives. Make disciples, baptize them, teach them. This is what I want you to do. Now, I find this very interesting. What's interesting to me is there have been a number. We're, we're a baby church. We're just still very young. We're just getting started. We, we've only been a church since 2010. We're just a baby church. We haven't been around for decades. But in this short amount of time that we have been around, there have been people who have come into the church, into Stuttgart Harvest Church, and they were looking for a church that would be making a significant difference in our community. They were looking for a church that would help to see lives changed and to see lives changing. That's what they were looking for. And then that's what they got involved in when they came here. But some of those same people eventually left. They began to leave because they would use words like this. Well, I I want to be fed 
some kind of different teaching, maybe deeper teaching. Or, or they might say, I want a different style of music. Or they might say, I want more music. Or some of them would say, I want less music. But the reality is, all the time that they were here, all the time they were here, most of those people who left didn't serve with their gifts here. They didn't help others find faith, or they didn't help others grow in their faith. They didn't teach others the way as Jesus commanded us in the passage we just read. They weren't involved in any of that. In fact, what they did is they would roll in on Sunday, talk to a few people, and then they would find a seat. We'd have a worship experience. Then at the end, they would talk to a few people, and then they would leave. They left, and that was it till the next week. And many of those people left, when they left the church, they left under this self-appointed sign that would say this above their head. I want something deeper. I need something deeper. Now, from your pastor's heart, straight to yours, that is not maturity. That is immaturity. That is actually spiritual adolescence. And if as a church, as Stuttgart Harvest Church, if we don't fight against that kind of immaturity, then our church, like so many others in our nation, we will get stuck in our adolescence spiritually. And we will eventually become a church of older but immature believers. You see, we think, that we're being a mature believer when we do that. We think that we're seeking deeper things. We're seeking deep, deeper things from maybe other pastors who are deeper teachers. Things that we say, well, this is what my soul is craving. But I'm going to be brutally honest. God doesn't agree. That's not a sign of spiritual maturity in fact, it is blatant immaturity. But don't take my word for it. Listen to how God describes this. In the book of Hebrews chapter 5, listen to what he says, verse 12. He says, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. In other words, God's saying you should be leading small groups. You should be bringing your friends alongside of you and teaching your friends how to grow deeper, how to follow Jesus closer, how to dig into God's word and let your life be transformed. He said, he's saying you, you, you should have grown to this point where you are teaching the people around you how to grow now. But then God says, Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. God is saying, that's not what's happening. Instead, he says, the reason why you're not growing, he's saying, you refuse to grow. He's saying, you are still searching for someone out there to get you started over and over and over again. It's as if every single week, it's like you have to start over from the very beginning. Every Sunday, we're starting over from the very beginning. Then God goes on. He describes more. And I, I wish I could say he's going to let up, but he's not. He's really drilling down on this. He says next, you are like babies who need milk 
and cannot eat solid food. God is saying, for some reason, you still have to be fed by someone. Now listen to the idea that he's putting out here. This is, this is harsh. God is planting this image, this idea, as if you are still nursing, but yet you're a full-grown adult. This is the image that God is creating with what he's saying here. That you're still looking for someone to nurse you like a baby. Now we think about this and we say, that, that is ridiculous. I mean, that, that's a ridiculous image. How ridiculous we would look to be clamoring to be fed, to be screaming and crying like a baby cries, to be fed as if they have never been fed before and will never be fed again. It's as if feeding is over and I'm, I'm done for life, no more food. It's as if we're screaming like we've never been fed, crying to be nursed. Until someone will eventually, as an adult that we are, someone will eventually coddle us and nurse us. Wow. God is pretty serious here. I mean, he's saying, he's saying, you should be feeding yourselves by now. This should have happened years ago, he's saying, but you are still waiting to be nursed. And he goes on. In verse 13, for someone who lives on milk is still an infant. So we might want to pretend to be mature. We might say things that sound mature. But if we are still being breastfed, Jesus is saying, God is saying here, you're an infant. No matter how tall you are, no matter how long you've been a believer, no matter how long you've been around, if this is what's happening, he's saying you are still an infant. And he's saying, and doesn't know how to do what is right. God is saying for some reason you've been taught the basics but you still don't do the basics. You keep waiting to be fed instead of growing and learning how to feed yourself. He says you're waiting to be fed. But then God doesn't just leave it here. He tells us how real maturity works, how the process of growing actually works. Because as long as we keep looking to be nursed, we will never really grow. So he gives us the way to actually mature. He gives us to us right here, the next verse, verse 14. He said, solid food it's for those who are mature. Okay, so we say, okay, great. So it's, it, there is solid food. There's something next. Great. But how do we get there, God? How do we get there? So he answers that. Solid food is for those who are mature who, through training. Let me, let's look at that word training for just a moment. Because that says a lot. So here's what that word training means. Other words that can be used to translate that Greek word that has been translated here as training, we could use the same word here, practice. We could say practice. In other words, doing what we have been taught. In other words, digging into God's word, which is feeding ourselves when we personally dig into God's word, pursue God in his word, and then we actually do we're actually practicing what God tells us. That all describes training. Doing what God has taught 
it gives us something. It gives us maturity. And it gives us some new skills, too. Listen to how God words this, new skills. So those who, through training, practicing what God has taught us as we read his word, have now, he goes on, have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Now, God is saying something really powerful here. That this is not just a tendency. Not just something that could happen, but there is a direct correlation between three things. A direct, intentional correlation between these three things. Feeding yourself, feeding yourself, learning how to dig into God's Word yourself, feeding yourself, and there's a direct correlation between that and then serving the people around you. Because if you are feeding yourself, and if you're doing that correctly, then it will result in you serving other people around you. And then, if you're serving other people around you, the direct result is you will grow in maturity. That's what God is saying. You don't become mature by being fed by someone else. You become mature by feeding yourself, feasting on God's word yourself, and it results in serving and loving other people around you, which results in maturity. So when someone says to me, I'm leaving, it's nothing against you, I just need something deeper. They're actually saying this. They think they're saying what they just said, but they're actually saying, I'm still a baby. I'm still a baby. I've never grown up. I've never grown. And by the way, Harley, you're the pastor, so it's your fault. And it's the fault of the church as well. Do you realize I I have actually had someone come to me and say, I had an affair, and it's your fault. Because you you never taught me. You didn't teach me deep enough. There was not enough deep teaching. It's, it's your fault. They actually said that. And all, all I can say is, wrong. You're wrong. And you know what? God is saying, no. No. The problem is, you never left your mama. That's the problem. You are an adult now in age, but you have never picked up a knife and a fork to begin feeding yourself. And beyond that, your real spiritual growth doesn't come from being taught by a pastor. God just said it comes from doing and serving. That is where you really grow. So this is from your pastor with love. Within about three years of following Jesus, we better learn to feed ourselves like Jesus did and feast on the kind of food that Jesus was feasting on. And if we don't, we're going to get stuck in spiritual adolescence or spiritual infancy. So what, what kind of food did Jesus eat? What did he have? Well, it was the kind that makes you grow spiritually, the kind that makes you mature, the kind that makes you develop. What kind is that? Well, Jesus was very direct in explaining this. 
Let me give you the scenario. Jesus was with his disciples. They were traveling from one point to another point. They stopped in the middle point. Jesus knew he was going to have a very important conversation with a person. He knew this. He knew a conversation was coming up. And in that conversation that he was going... So, as a person, some significant things were going to go on. So, as they were having this conversation, his other disciples left, and they went to eat. They were hungry. I, I, actually, I think a better word for it was they were hangry. They needed some food. They went off to find food. They left Jesus, who was also very hot, also very tired, also very hungry. They left him there. They went off to eat. Now, while they were gone, Jesus had this amazing conversation with a person that no one could believe that he would have a conversation with. No one could believe that he would spend time with. No one could believe it, but he did. And her life was changed forever because of that conversation. Now his disciples come back. And let's kind of pick up this story. John chapter 4, verse 27. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked, it says, shocked to find him talking to a woman. Number one, men didn't talk to women they weren't married to back then. just didn't happen. And they're thinking to themselves, why would he care anything about her, a woman? And then she was, as they would call her, a mixed breed. They were like, why would, why would? And so, yeah, even then, in their day, they had prejudice, lots of prejudice too. And they were saying, why would he talk to her, this kind of person from this kind of background? Why in the world would he talk to her? They wouldn't say it out loud. It, it says this, but none of them had the nerve to ask what do you want with her? Why are you talking to her? So they were just all thinking these things and mumbling these things. Now, as the conversation that Jesus was having with this woman, this amazing woman, her life was completely changed. Jesus didn't worry about the barriers. He didn't worry about how society said, no, you shouldn't be talking to her. He talked to her. And her life was changed. And she was so moved that in verse 28, the woman left her water jar beside the well. She ran back to the village telling everyone, hey, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. So that was happening. But while she was off telling the village about this, Jesus has a conversation with his disciples. It says in verse 31, meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, Rabbi, eat something please eat something they were probably feeling a little guilty because they went off and they had you know they went to the golden corral or something they were full they were had the buffet they come back jesus hadn't eaten anything They're like jesus please eat something and then this goes on don't miss this but jesus replied i have a kind of food you know nothing about and the disciples are like, what, what does he mean by that? They say, did someone bring in some food while we were gone? The disciples, they were asking each other. It's like, did, did someone swing by McDonald's for him and get him a, like a Happy Meal? I mean, did, did he have a cheese? Did he get that? He must have got that, like that 20-piece nuggets for $5. That was a good deal. He's probably full. He's probably had McDonald's. And here's how Jesus responds. Don't let this slip past you. Here it is. Verse 34. Then Jesus explained. 
my nourishment. Or in other words, how I get fed, guys, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God. Jesus is clearly saying spiritual growth and maturity comes from doing the will of God. It comes not the way you think, guys. He was saying it's not when someone goes and feeds you. That's not how you grow. You grow. I grow. I am nourished by doing the will of God. Jesus is saying this is how a mature person gets fed. Jesus is saying I get spiritually fed from God as I serve. Not when I sit in another class. Not when I listen to another message, another teaching, another sermon. No, 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 no. As I serve. I get fed from God by doing what God has taught me. By loving the people around me, by giving myself, by serving. This is how real maturity comes, how real growth happens. Jesus is saying it's not by being nursed. No, 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 no. It's from picking up a knife and picking up a fork and feasting on God's word myself and then pushing back from the table, standing up, and doing exactly what God has told me to do. And most often, what he has told me to do involves serving other people, loving other people around me. Wow. Verse 35. He says, you know the saying. Now he shifts gear from food to work. He says, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say to you, wake up, look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. <laughs> Let me tell you what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying, he's saying, quit talking about the work. Quit talking about the work that I have commanded you to do, to go make disciples, to baptize them, and teach them all that I've commanded. Quit talking about it and go do it. Quit. Don't have another meeting to plan. Well, here's what we could do, and we could do this. We need to do this. We should do this and do this. He said, quit talking about the planting and the work of harvesting and simply go do it. He goes on, verse 36, the harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest, so here's what the harvest is all about, is people brought to eternal life. He says that's the goal. He says when you do this thing I've commanded to go and all the nations, make disciples, baptize them, teach them all that I've commanded. He says here's what you're doing. You're bringing people into an eternal relationship with God. That's it. This is, this is how it happens. This is maturity. It's not looking for another church who will feed me deeper food. That's not it. That's looking for a church who will breastfeed you. And no, God's saying, no, 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 no. Go feed yourself. And then... Push back from the table. Stand up and go love the people around you and serve the people around you. 
and serve them and love them all the way to Jesus. And what Jesus is saying here, when you do this, when you do this, you will tap into his strength, not yours. This is the point where the weak become strong. Because they have connected their lives to the vine. Now, this is a whole other image that God gives us in the New Testament. Jesus says, I'm the vine. And he says, you, if you're my followers, you are the branch. And he's saying, if your branch, your life, will stay connected to my vine, it is from the vine... So how do we stay connected? We stay connected by digging into God's Word ourselves, feasting on God's Word, feeding ourselves, not doing it once a week when when someone teaches you. No, no, going home during the week and feeding yourselves. You're staying connected to the vine. And when that happens, God's power flows into you, into your life, into your branch. And when you do it right, it doesn't just flow in you, it flows through you then to the other lives around you as you love them and serve them. And then we repeat. Then we stay connected to the vine by digging into God's Word and feasting on God's Word ourselves. And as we do, God's power flows through into our lives. And when we do it right, it goes through our lives and to the lives around us as we love them and serve them all the way to Jesus. And then we repeat. By digging in, we stay connected, our branch staying connected to the vine. By digging into God's word. And we don't just gain knowledge. But then we actually do those things. As God's power goes into our life. If we do it right then through our lives. As we serve and love the other people around us. And we love them and introduce them lovingly. To Jesus who is changing our lives. And then we repeat. But now I'm going to take this one step further. There's something about doing all of this that I just described together. And in the church today, as we experience it today, the best together place is a small group. And you say, well, Harley, I want to be in a small group. But, you know, I've been listening, I've been hearing, but there hasn't been an opportunity to be in a group right now. And I say to you, true, you're exactly right. There has not been. We haven't added any small groups currently for about a a year, any new groups. And that lands at my feet. That is squarely at my feet. That's my fault. But we do want to do something right now in the meantime until we get our next new groups launched. And to help you get started in this journey of you toward one day being in a group we want to do something to make it possible, to make, it, make, make your life ready to be in a group, but also to give you something in the meantime. Now, if you're in a small group right now that is meeting every week, then we want you to hang in here with me because what I'm, I'm going to come back to you in just a moment and give you something to do. But for just a moment, I want to talk to the most of us who are not in a group that's meeting every week right now. If you're not in a group, 
We don't have new groups launching right now. So this is what I want you to do. This is what I'm asking you to do. And if you're wondering, I wonder if Harley's talking to me. And here's how you know if I'm talking to you at this moment. Are you in a small group right now that's meeting every week? Okay, then no. This moment right here, I need you to hit pause. Just hang in here with me, but hit pause. But if you said you're, you, you are not in a group right now that's meeting every week, this is for you. No exceptions. It's for every single one of us not in a group right now. Here's what I need you to do. I want you to find this week at least two other people from Stuttgart Harvest Church who are also not in a group right now that's meeting every week. You plus at least two. There can be more, but at least two. And if you don't know two other people, that's okay. We can help you with that. On the back of your connection card, if you will sign up today, say, yes, I want to be a part of a serving team we will help you meet some people this coming week. If, if you don't know people, then sign up today for a serving team and we'll help you. But if you do know at least two other people who are not in a group right now, two other folks from Sugar Harvest Church or two people who will, will come to church with you, then I want you to create. You're not creating a small group, but you're creating something we're calling a huddle. And we want you to meet with this these people that you, you talk with, these people, call, call yourselves a huddle. We want you to meet. And we want you to meet for about eight weeks. And then at the end of the eight weeks, we want you to meet for another eight weeks and do this until you get into a small group, until we have one available. Now, this next part is now for everyone. If you're going to be part of a huddle, if you're going to be part of a small group, don't miss this. One of the deepest things that your huddle this newly forming huddle that you might form, or your small group. One of the deepest spiritual things you can do together is to serve other people together. One of the most spiritual things that you can do as a small group or as a huddle is to pray this prayer. Lord, send us into your field. Show us, God, what to do. Lead us to be your body. Lead us to be your hands and your feet doing your work together. Now, I want you to imagine. Imagine a huddle or imagine a small group throwing parties with intention. Imagine them cooking out together, hanging out together, but with the purpose of inviting the people in their lives some friends, some neighbors who are not yet connected to a church, inviting them to join you at a cookout, at a pool party, at a hangout. Now, I'm, I'm just going to suggest a, a beer pong party is probably not, not going to be the best way to love people towards Jesus. But we're asking you just, just party with a purpose. And the purpose is slowly loving these people who are dear to you, slowly loving them with your friends in your huddle or your small group, the ones that you invite. That's your purpose, to love them. Can you imagine what might happen months down the road if your huddle keeps inviting the same people to hang out with you, to live life with you as you just 
as you just cook out and you party and you have a pool party, allowing things to just be real, real love, real compassion, being real and being normal around them, giving your huddle or your small group the opportunity to care for these friends together. Can you imagine how they may be more likely to be open to your invitation to discover Jesus with you at Stuttgart Harvest Church? Because before, you know what they thought of the church? As self-righteous, judgmental, arrogant, and rude. But suddenly, they realize that you're different. You're not like that. And they might be willing to sit beside you. They might be open to an invitation to discover Jesus alongside us at Stuttgart Harvest Church. Your pastor wants you to party. Yep. I'm challenging your huddle. I'm challenging your small group to party with a purpose. The purpose of loving a handful of people who are disconnected from the church. And I know, I I know, listen, I know this is not a normal next step that a normal church would do. But we are not normal. I want you to leave here with the purpose of forming a huddle or if you're already in a small group, of talking to your small group and gathering together to go party with a purpose. Can you imagine helping somebody with no faith? Or helping someone with a little faith? Or helping someone who's struggling in their faith begin to grow in their faith? And one day, some of those friends that you have invited, one day may be fully following Jesus right beside you. As we begin to end this series, this is how we're going to end. We're asking you to serve together to change this world. Life by life. If you're in a small group, great. Do this as a group. If you're not in a small group, then please create a huddle and just begin to meet together every single week and then plan a party with a purpose. And guess what? Then repeat. And if you'll take this step with us right now, I want to ask you to do this. On your connection card in the comment section, will you simply write yes? And if you're in a small group, yes, yes, I'll talk to my small group. If you're not in a small group, yes, I'll start a huddle. Now, as the band is making their way to the front here to lead us in two songs, I, I want to let you know, I want to track with you on this. So I need you to do this or I cannot track with you. If you're in a small group, let me know. I'm in a small group and yes. And that will let me know how I can get some information to your group leaders. If you are not in a small group, then, then let me know 
that you'll form a huddle. Let me know. If you know the names of some people, here's how you can let me know that. You may not know today to put it on your connection card, but this week, here's what I need you to do. Email me the names of the people you're thinking about, or you can text me those names, or you can Facebook message me those names of the people you're thinking about being in a huddle with. And when you do that, I'm going to give you some more information to help you have a successful huddle. Right now, we just got you, we're getting you started, but I need to get you that information of how you can have a successful huddle for eight weeks, and then another eight weeks, another eight weeks, but you need to let me know. Email me, text me, or Facebook message me so I can let you know. And our friends on Facebook Live, you are not left out either. I need you to email me. You can form a huddle as well, but I need you to email me, Facebook me, or text me. So I can get this information to you. Fill out your connection card online if you're listening to Facebook Live. And then email me. Let me know. So how do you know if this is for you? If you're between the ages of 13, I say 13 because anyone younger than 13 is, is in our children's programming. And we have amazing groups for you. That's, that's your programming there. But if you're between the ages of 13 and let's say 99, I think that covers most of us. This is for you. When you contact me with your group information, I will get you some more information to get you going. But right now, the step for you right now, this moment, will you party with a purpose in your small group or in your huddle? And let me know on your connection card by writing yes. Facebook Live, you can fill that out online. Why? Why do all this? Because amazing things happen when you do this together. Relational momentum happens when your struggling or non-believing friends become friends with your believing friends, your Christ-following friends. And lives change, and they'll never be the same, and neither will yours. Let's pray. God, we ask that you lead us to love other people as Jesus did. We ask that you lead us toward maturity, the maturity of Jesus, who showed us how to be really deep, who showed us how to really grow. When Jesus said his nourishment comes from doing the will of God, may we do what you did, Jesus. May we do it together in a group, in a huddle. May we serve together. Jesus, may we party with a purpose and see lives change forever. In the name of Jesus, we do pray. Amen.